She's April. And she's Molly. And we are the book besties. I have COVID, so I am sipping my green tea, sounding like Phoebe Buffet. About to give you guys a hot take so I can go take a nap. Okay, well, Molly's not gonna die, everybody. That was a slow roll, girl. I know, right? Um, is your shirt Slytherin today? Are you like no. owning it? No, it's um it looks all green and Harry Pottery and so it, Slytherin. I don't know. It's got perfume bottles of bookmarks and coffee. I got it on Shein. It's like a, I don't know what that is. It's a shopping page. It's it's not like sponsored. wishes hashtag not sponsored. It's like wishes, you know, more expensive cousin. But still not Target or Walmart. I think it's just you finally owning up to being Slytherin. Okay. Okay. And and folks, she doesn't feel up to fighting me today because no. Molly? I have COVID. Molly has COVID. I have COVID. We can all thank Matthew Biggs for that one, by the way. Mm. So I am sipping my green tea. Sounding like Phoebe Buffet. About to give you guys a hot take so I can go take a nap. Yeah. We told you guys last week, oh, Molly, we told you guys last week that we were going to do a hot take on this book, Cersei, by Madeline Miller. Um, we had intended to do a full episode on this book, but and when you we can't fill this shit with it full. It's just not Book Besties brand. Like, well, it's just not it's on not, brand for us. Well, we read books that we feel like everybody can read. Mm-hmm. And we picked a book, this book. You and I both wanted to read it. It's been on our TBRs for a long time. Mm -hmm. And we picked a book that we both were excited about. It's really popular on socials. But unless you are grew up obsessed with mythology, like Mm -hmm. in middle and high school, like we were, this isn't going to be relevant to you. It's going to be useless for you. Right. So what we're going to do instead is we're both going to give you like our opinions of the book and then I'm going to bounce and Molly is going to read you one of Um, her short stories. I hope um, so. That that is a LGBTQ short story um, and that will help lead us into uh, the month of June, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, So... I picked Cersei for this month, and I really feel like I failed us because Molly was moving for May, and so I said I would pick all the books for May. So I've been doing all five May books. Which May is a two, heavy month. I shouldn't agree to is. that. It, it Well, it was fine, but it is the end of the school year, so I am kind of losing my mind a little bit. Um, I mean, the I first think everybody two books, is. <laughs> yeah. The first two books that we did um, being uh, – me before you and the royal we are both favorites of ours we had read them they are ones that we reread and we love and then we did um nine perfect strangers opposite of always and we neither one of us had read either one of those and (laughs) just for just to get it out of the way (laughs) if you want to go back and listen to those episodes there's a lot of please do please do we might save you some time on reading two books you don't want to read I mean, I didn't hate Opposite of Always. I it's really not that didn't I didn't like hate it. I just it feel was like just it was cliche. It was so heavy and cliche. It you, made the book twice its weight. I got you. I am. Oh, I got to get you a new one now. I know. We're no, we're no longer. You're no longer in Texas. Let's wait till season three. Okay, we'll do one in season three. 
Um, <laughs> you have a birthday in August. So that's starting. I have a birthday in August. Maybe we'll yeah. do for that. Um, okay, so uh, so Cersei was one that, like Molly said, it had been on our TBR for a while, and um, I wanted to read it because I heard my understanding. I don't know that I heard this. Maybe I just like made this up in my brain or something. My understanding was this was a modern retelling of the story, and that it had some spice to that's it. That's what I heard too. And and maybe Son of Achilles is like that because that's her second book. They're not a series. But Son of Achilles by Madeline Miller is supposed to be really spicy and people are raving about it. Um, I don't trust book talk anymore. So I mean, I'm a little concerned because the bookstagrammers let us down this month. Like, are y'all okay? Do you need me to send help? Right. Do do you need help? Do you you need help? Give us a signal. We're here. Like, Nine Perfect Strangers, what I said with that one was that it was like the Emperor's New Clothes. No one wants to admit that they don't like right. it. I sort of feel like that's with this one, too. So so basically, I'll give a really brief synopsis um, about what Cersei's about, and then we can do our quick takes. But if you haven't gathered by what we've said so far, we didn't like it. Um, Shocking, so Cer- right? <laughs> so Cersei is a supposed to be a retelling of the story of the nymph goddess Circe. Um, she is Helios, which is the sun god. She is his daughter, um, his oldest daughter with his nymph wife. Um, he had a lot of kids and also made bread with cows and made little calves as well. So anyway, that's yeah, all talked about but, in here. Yeah. But that's all Greek mythology stuff that they did right. weird shit. Um, I mean, yeah, it was real weird shit. So Cersei uh, actually is a witch goddess and she is banished to the island of, was she on Lesbos? Yeah. Okay. Cause that's the island that, that they talk about in um, the Odyssey, but I didn't remember if they actually but said in that Lesbos that was... is also, um, it's a philosopher is tied to that. I'm going to find it real quick while you keep going. Well, Lesbos, if you if the word sounds like lesbian, it should, because that was kind of the thing that they were new, known for, the lesbian nymphs. Well, that's where um, it was a philosopher. She was female. She talked about how, um, if I can find it, I'll put it in the notes, about how female empowerment comes through sex and all that jazz. Right. And right. anyways, I'll find it. So Cersei is banished to the island um, and eventually, very many years later, we're talking about centuries later, Odysseus is stranded on the island. Odysseus from the Odyssey, if you've ever read Sopho. The, the philosopher, sorry. The philosopher was Sappho. Okay. Um, if you've ever read, read the Odyssey, Cersei makes an appearance in the Odyssey. So in this book, uh, Odysseus is not on the island with Cersei for as long as he is in the Odyssey. And the Odyssey tells the story of him, and, of, of Odysseus and Cersei, and they have four kids. I have um, a theory about that. And this book only focuses on them having one kid. Okay. Um, and uh, that one kid, and this is a Greek myth, that one kid mm-hmm. grows up and actually Becomes. accidentally kills Odysseus. Um and I have that happens in the book too. So, and then, sorry. hang on a second. Hang on, Molly. I'm sorry. Um, and then basically the rest of the myth continues that um, Odysseus and her, and her, and his, sorry, Odysseus' son 
with his wife Penelope, mm-hmm. his name is Telemachus, they both come to Circe's island and um eventually Telemachus marries Circe and Penelope marries Odysseus and Circe's son. So it's very confusing. Um but did I find this book spicy? No. Did I find it a good modern retelling? No. Molly, what were you going to say? And then we'll finish our uh, updates. So uh, Cersei in this book, her she states in several ways about how time feels different for her because she's immortal. Yeah. I think the reasoning we're getting the two different POVs of that story is because the time did feel longer for him because mm-hmm. he was mortal and being that she was immortal, it felt fast for her because of the span of her life. That could be, but they also only have one kid. And he's there for longer, and they have four kids. So. Right. Anyway, um, do you want to go first on the quick take? You can. You want me to go first? Okay. So I was looking for this to be a spicy retelling, maybe even a modernization. I don't know. It didn't give me any of that. So what I really got from this book was just kind of like the myth. It was disappointing to me because I already know the myth. I've already read the Odyssey. I loved Greek mythology as a kid. I used to teach Greek mythology as part of one of the English classes I taught. Hell, I studied Um, it in high school and college. Me too. Me too. And the Odyssey I read for the first time my junior year of college for my World Lit class. And then I ended up teaching the Odyssey um, for freshman honors English for like three or four years. And so um, like the Odyssey is so deeply ingrained in my mind that like I was wanting a new story and I didn't get a new story. And I do agree with you. Like you said, if you don't know mythology, like this is not the book for you. It really isn't. Because you're going to be lost. You're going to be so lost. lost. Like there are great modern retellings. Like there's a really great series. It's a YA series called, um, once upon a con is the series title. And one of the books, the first one's called Geekerella. And of course it's a Cinderella retelling. It's done so well. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows the story of Cinderella, but this book gives you a new story. Cersei doesn't give me a new story. I got nothing new from this. And to me, it just wasn't worth the almost 400 pages. I mean, there's no payoff. 12 hours. It was longer yeah, than that. The audiobook is so long. The, the the book is almost 400 pages. But yes, the audiobook is long. I did both reading and audiobook for this one. You didn't really like the narrator. You felt she drug on. I was listening to it at one and a half speed. So I don't, I can't agree with you because I was listening. 12 hours to and eight minutes is the audiobook. It's lengthy. It's lengthy. And I mean, you're talking about millennia. And like, I just feel like there were better stories she could focus on. Like, I love the, the story where Cersei realizes her power and she thinks what she's doing is turning people into what yes. is like hit their hidden depths. Yeah. It's like what's actually inside them. So the first person she changes is a man she's in love with. Right. And she, she basically, she makes him trident. He becomes right. King Trident. He's a mermaid. Um, right. And, they and then he wants nothing to do with her. Form. Wow. Isn't that real life? You yeah. do everything for a, a fuck boy. And then he just like blows mm-hmm. you off. Yeah. God, if that's not a freaking symbol or a analogy for a freaking But uh, it wasn't 20s. a good modern telling though. You no, know what I mean? Like no. it was just like, oh yeah, that's that's what happened. Um and she turns another nymph into like a monster. Um right. and that's Which a sea is creature. Hilarious. 
And it's funny because she has three dog heads and all the guys are like, well, she was a bitch anyway. <laughs> um, I mean, well, at one point they go, look, this is what she actually wanted. Right? Like, they, they pretty much right. make it sound like she, you know, she was going to become a monster one way or another, right. the way they all said right. it. But And I, I think that was, her understanding and learning about her powers was more interesting to me than, like, the love story. Like, I don't even, like, they didn't even have good sex. There was no love story. I no, don't feel like it was a love story. No. I feel, th- this was, okay, so this is actually, let's, this is perfect. This leads into one of my biggest beats about this story. Okay. You read a whole book about this woman, and mm-hmm. I don't feel like I knew her by the end of that book. Yeah, I agree. It was, and I also, it was so history-packed. I don't feel like I saw her personality at all. I agree. And, you know, I was really bothered by the fact that I was looking for that love story with her and Odysseus. And, like, literally minutes in the audiobook before Odysseus shows up, she's being raped by, like, many different right. crews. And it's she's like, letting it happen. She's letting it happen. She turns them into pigs, but it's like, they it's actually stupid. did leave that part out of the story. She turns Odysseus's men into pigs. Part of the reason why he agrees to stay with her is because she he agrees wants his men to, not to be pigs. Anymore. She agrees to turn them back to human. Um, and that's part of the reason why he stays for so long. And then long, they but, trust her and stay on the Island afterwards. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's but, so stupid. Um, like I, it went from her being really violently gang raped. And even the description of it isn't like, she's just kind of like, eh, that's what's happening. Right. And, and then she's the all of a sudden, the and then it she's all the of a sudden with Odysseus. It was the same with the birth of her kid. Like mm-hmm. she was physically cutting her kid out. BT dub spoilers. She was physically fitting, digging her own kid out. And it wasn't, yeah, it was like no it, the writing was traumatic. Like it was a traumatic mm-hmm. situation, and she was writing about it like where it happens, whatever. It happened. Like, yeah, it was almost it like makes she no was sense. so. I'm shaking my head for those that aren't watching us on YouTube. I am just shaking my head. It was almost like she was just so trauma scarred that like there was nothing left of her. Nothing. And to me, that's just not a good story. I mean, it's not a redeeming story. Like there are people that have, that there are really great trauma stories that someone comes out of it, a better person of, you know, whatever. There's no growth. There's just nothing here. It's very and, flat. And you just do not, you don't feel for Cersei. You don't want to root for her. You don't think she's a villain. You right. have no emotional attachment to this character no. at no. all. And I feel like no. that's an important part of stories like this, especially with that kind of trauma in here. Right. You want to be emotionally attached to it. You want to feel bad for her. Right. I didn't care. Right. And I you should either. fucking care. The The biggest relationship in this book is her and her son. And even that wasn't, it wasn't great. Like. It wasn't great. I don't know. I and. Don't know. This don't is know. not you a book that I would recommend to anyone. It's not a book I would recommend to anyone. It's one that I now own and it's on my bookshelf, but it's one I might. I don't know, Go find a up. little free library and put it in there and just I have it to a little free else's. library. There's one in my yard. My kids built me ones with Tom. Aww. So so I, it um, might end up in there. I don't know. I feel like this story and you and I are saying the same stuff and we We're feel saying the, the same, same way. Yeah. And I just I don't know. And it was the writing's not bad. The writing's not bad. No, it, the it, writing's not bad. It's not a terrible length. It it is well thought out the language is good it is yeah. just there is no emotion in this book 
there's just no point to reading this book when you can just read the Greek myth, which is a there lot is shorter. No fresh takes. There's no fresh opinions. Nothing new. There's nothing changes. No. It just that's it's from her point from of view. It's right. literally her retelling the story. Yeah, and to In me, that's English. just not. It's just not worth it. Like it's just not worth know. it. There's no payoff. I, um, it's disappointing. It was disappointing. Yeah. So for me, it's a no. Um, I think I actually rated it uh, two stars on Goodreads. Let me look it up real quick. Um, but it, it definitely was not it for me. So it's not going to get a high rating. Uh, let's see. Um, I would definitely put it. I give it if we're breaking it down. The writing gets three to four stars because it's very well written. The mm-hmm. content of that writing, though, is a two. Yeah. Like. For me, I gave it two out of five stars. And I actually said, and I quote from my Goodreads, this book would have been a do not fin- did not finish for me if we weren't covering it on Book Besties podcast. I would never finish this book. I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I was ready to give up 10 minutes into the audio. I know. I know. Me the too. narrative voice and it and i don't know if it's the narrator or if it was the narrator's um interpretation of the content i would I, need it, i think it was just the content just wasn't good so anyway i don't think we have anything else to say on that that i, ha- that I mean there's a- i don't know go look at excuse me goodreads everybody feels this way yeah, I have quite a few people on the list that say do not finish, did not finish. So, and people, life is too short to read books that are terrible. So if you DNF a book, like we support that here. DNF the books. DNF the books. I mean, we can't always a- DNF books because uh, we have to talk about them. On the pod. And you know what? And we're finishing them for you so you don't have to. Yes, like The Lost Apothecary. Don't bother with that one either. I mean, we didn't even finish the episode. <laughs> oh, no, what was the episode we lost? That was the one, The Lost Apothecary. We can't even tell people. Like, we don't. <laughs> we didn't even re-record the episode. That's a lost episode as well. You know um, what? If you guys, if we get, um, if we get over 50 followers by season three, I will do a hot take for Lost Apothecary as an extra episode. Well, she can do it by herself. I will do it by myself. I'm out. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so do you have anything else to talk about, or is that it? No, I'm just dying. It's fine. <laughs> okay, well, Molly's not going to die, everybody. We're going to transition. Um, I'm going to bounce out, and Molly is going to read her short story. Hi, everybody. It's April here. Um, we had promised you that Molly was going to come on and read an original short story called Black and Pink. Um, however, Molly's COVID has given her a really hoarse sounding voice and almost laryngitis. Um, so she's not even able to talk very well. So um, she asked if I would read her story for her and I'm going to try to do it justice. Um, this episode's so weird. Thank you guys for hanging around. Like we just have a lot going on right now that's like unexpected with Molly having COVID. Um, and I have some like life stuff happening right now. And I mean, if you're in education, you know that the end of the school year, May is hard. Like we're all on the struggle bus in May. Um, State standardized testing and then just like the end of year activities and just like so much stuff. Um, And here in Virginia where I live, we actually don't even get out of school until June, um, mid-June. And so 
we're still like in the thick of it and I'm just, I'm struggling. So it's after work right now. Um, my kids are getting baths and getting ready to go to bed. And thank God my husband is like so understanding that he's doing all the things tonight um, while I'm just completely checked out, which sadly happens more often than not in this house. Um, and I'm going to read you Molly's story. Um, so Molly had me read this story before um, she picked it officially for the pod. Black and Pink is a LGBTQ um, story, romance story. Um, and it's a great lead in to what we're doing for the month of June because we are doing uh, queer romances, um, beachy reads, that kind of stuff. Um, and so this will be a good lead in for that. Um, and I did really enjoy this story when I read it. Um, she actually wrote it for um, a creative writing class. And um, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, I. I don't read in Molly's voice. Those of you that are regular listeners, you know, we have different sounding voices. And so um, I might not get exactly the voice that Molly's looking for, but I will do my best. Fortunately, I have a lot of experience reading books and I get paid to read them aloud to people. So I think I know what I'm doing, but I can't promise it's perfect. Anyway, so again, thank you guys for sticking around on this super weird episode. It's been weird. All right, here we go. Black and Pink by Molly Biggs. She is standing outside the hotel smoking a cigarette on 42nd Street. She is wearing a pink and black pajama set. The top is a silk camisole. The bottoms are silk shorts that are pink with thin black stripes. The set is complete with a gauzy pink robe that is trimmed on the edges with black feathers. She is contemplating lighting another cigarette when she sees a blonde walking towards her. The blonde is wearing the same pajama set. She must be coming for the party. She cannot stop staring at her. Blonde is shorter than her, and she fills out the set in places she cannot. It is pleasing for her to see. She takes her time and watches the blonde, then slowly follows her in. She realizes the blonde is not a natural one of those girls. She's one of those girls who bleach their hair till it's almost white. The blonde's short, big curls fall around her face in a pleasant way that frames her face like a pixie. She realizes she has followed the blonde inside the party. She looks around and notices all the people. She has lost the blonde in the crowd just as well, staring at that woman. That way can't end well for her. She makes her way over to the bar. A man greets her. Some party, he says, around the room, looking around the room. He is wearing a blue and green plaid pajama set. You can see the fabric is thick. He must be sweaty. Henry, he says, holding his hand out to her. Bethany, she says, shaking his hand in return. He offers to buy her a drink. Manhattan, she speaks softly. He orders two and hands her one. They take, they talk for a bit about this and that. Then he sees a friend and excuses himself. She walks around the room to, at, she, she looks around the room at the sea of people all dressed in their nightwear. It was said that the, this would be the party of 1959. Her mother insisted she must attend. Bethany, you are 23 and not married yet. She doesn't see why that is an issue when her mother frets over it constantly. She's the only female head of accounting in her office, possibly all of Manhattan. She makes more money than most of the men in her office, but a husband is all her mother cares about. Bethany scans the party and sees the blonde sitting alone. She walks over to the blonde. Nice outfit, she says with a hint of laughter in her voice. The blonde looks up from her martini and smiles at her. You have good taste. The blonde responds. 
She pats the padded bench next to her, inviting Bethany to sit. Bethany sits at sits and the blonde slides closer. They are all alone in this, this section of the room. Everyone else is up socializing. The lights are dimmed and the music is loud. The shadows hiding the tension she is feeling for the, with this girl. They sit in silence for a minute and they and just sip their cocktails just staring into the crowd. The blonde sets her drink down and angles her body towards Bethany. I noticed you from across the room, the blonde admits. Bethany blushes. I noticed you as well, she says coyly. The blonde scooches closer. Their knees are touching. And she places her hand on Bethany's thigh. I don't think you want to be here, the blonde practically whispers. Bethany's skin is on fire. The blonde touches everything she does and doesn't want. Bethany quickly jumps up, almost spilling their drinks. I see a friend, she says, pointing randomly to the crowd. I'll, I'll be here, the blonde says with a wink. Bethany walks as fast as she can into the crowd, only looking back once at the blonde. The blonde is still smiling, watching her. She makes her way over to the orderer's table and sees a familiar form, a robust man in a bright blue pajama set that has blue has yellow rubber ducks on all over it. He has his back to her. Oscar, she says with relief. He turns around two platefuls of food. Thank God you're here, she exhales. He smiles his wide smile and holds out a plate. The steak tartare is amazing. She takes a small cracker with a green dip on top of it. I'm over there, he nods to a table. She follows him across the room. Oscar's large form making a hole for her in the crowd. He is what you think of when people describe someone as jolly. He sets his plate down at one of the high tables. Guys, this is Bethany. She's the head of accounting in our firm. He grabs for his drink and takes a swig, then starts their introductions. This is Andrew, Rebecca, Wallace, and Henry, he says as he points around the table. Henry smiles at her. We've actually met, he says to Oscar. Oscar lets out a loud chuckle. I was planning on introducing you too soon. Henry just, just, uh, Henry just joined the firm last week, he says to Bethany. He's from L.A., Bethany nods, but she is not really focusing on the conversation. She is searching around the room to see if she can find the blonde. Henry asks her a question and she misses it. I'm sorry, what did you say? The music is so loud, she fibs. I was asking. He comes over to her side of the table and leans into her. What was it like to go to Harvard? I just went to community college, so I'm fascinated by the Ivy League. She fakes a chuckle in response. Harvard isn't that great. It's just a university like all the others. It's just a name. A waiter passes by and she stops him. Can I get a martini, please? Henry adds, make that too, using his hands to explain and giving the man a $20 bill. The server rushes off. She continues to chat with him about working and living in Manhattan. He talks about law school and they have a few drinks. He finally says what men always say. You were great. How have you not been swooped up yet? She usually says, I don't know, or they haven't tried. But those are just lies she tells herself and others. But after a few Manhattans, she spits out the truth. They all haven't really been what I'm looking for. Henry takes this as flirting and leans in. I think I know what you've been looking for. He smiles, smirk. He says, smirking. Can I call you sometime? Yes. She nods and tells him she is listed. I have to get out of here. I have a deposition in the morning, he explains. But I want to take you out this week. He leans in and kisses her on the cheek. She feels nothing. The whole time, she keeps looking for the blonde in the crowd. They say their goodbyes, and she plasters on a fake smile. 
She turns to Oscar with a sipping, with, who is sipping a dark liquid. She takes it from him and downs it in one swig. Whoa, slow down, killer, he says, taking the empty glass from her. Why am I here? She asks him, her voice breaking slightly. Oscar's face softens. The same reason I am, he says sadly. She gives him a small hug. I'm going to go to the bathroom and throw some water on my face. I'll be back. He gives her a knowing nod. She bobs and weaves through the sea of pajamas, some wool, some silky, and some just a little too provocative. They all eventually just blend together till she finally makes it to the bathroom, and thankfully the room is completely empty. She goes over to the sink, turns on the cold water, and leans against the counter and lets out a loud exhale. This is exhausting, she says out loud to the universe, and the universe answered. Then stop faking it. She turned around and the blonde is coming out of the last stall at the end of the bathroom. She slowly walks, slowly walks over and stands in front of Bethany. She reaches behind her and turns off the water. Don't be wasteful. Her tone is firm, but she is smirking. Her face is inches away from Bethany's. Bethany can smell her. She smells like summer's afternoon with hints of roses. The blonde steps back and goes to the sink next to Bethany and washes her hands. Bethany just stares at the blonde. Who does she think she is? She doesn't know Bethany at all. With anger in her voice, Bethany finally speaks. Who are you to call me fake? The blonde walks back herself back to the front in front of Bethany. I didn't call you fake. I said what you're doing. You were I said what you were doing was fake. She explains. What's the difference? Bethany asks. You are radiant and beautiful, and I can tell there isn't an ounce of malice in you. But this act? Blonde says, pointing up and down at Bethany. This is fake. Why are you here? Because it isn't for the same reason that most of these other women are. I can tell. She takes a, takes a step closer, takes a step closer to Bethany, her scent filling Bethany's head again. Bethany feels her breath catch. She goes to lean into the blonde and stops herself. She instead sidesteps to get away from the blonde. You are wrong, Bethany says frankly. I'm here for the same reason like them. Blonde laughs at her, shaking her head. You deserve happiness, the blonde says, walking towards Bethany slowly. And no man out there is going to give it to you. Blonde walks over and kisses Bethany on the cheek. It is soft and everything Bethany has been craving and fearing. My name is Sarah, she whispers into Bethany's ear. Sarah then, without looking back, walks out of the bathroom. Bethany fights the urge to grab Sarah's hand and pull her into her. She turns back and around. She turns back around to the sink turns on the cold water and splashes on her face. Bethany returns to Oscar's table. He can see her colors off. What happened in the bathroom? Bethany just shakes her head in answer. She leans into Oscar. I'm going to go out with Henry. He seems like a good guy, she says defeated. Sadness floods Oscar's face. You don't have to, he says, grabbing and squeezing her hand. Bethany squeezes his back. But I do. She says softly, I think I need to head home, she tells Oscar, and gives her a sad, knowing look. See you at work, he says, giving her a peck on the cheek. She walks out of the ballroom, not looking back and no longer searching the crowd. She is resolute to leave the blonde and the feeling of her warmth behind her. She makes it to the coat check, and as she is putting on her coat, she feels someone brush up against her. But as she turns to look, she finds, out, finds no one there. She goes outside and hails a cab. She puts her hand in her pockets to warm them. She feels something. It's slightly sharp and rectangular shaped. 
A cab pulls up and she hurries in to escape the night chill. West Village and 7th Street, she tells the cabbie. She pulls out the object from her pocket and it's a business card. It reads, Sarah Holton. Bethany takes the card and carefully slides it back into her pocket as she closes her eyes. She listens to the sound of the city as the cab heads towards home. She refused to feel anything tonight other than the bumps of the road. She will go on a date with Henry, but she isn't throwing away that business card either. What happens next? Well, she doesn't know. That's tomorrow's problems. All right. So that is an original short story by Molly Biggs called Black and Pink. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I love that vague ending of like what would happen next. And I'm also mad about that vague ending of what will happen next. But also mad at Molly that this story is historical fiction and she knows how much I hate historical fiction. And not only did she plan to read the historical fiction, but then she made me read the historical fiction, which is like, you know, what is she doing to me? Um, anyway, so thank you for sticking around for this weird episode. I I hope you like it. Um, I love Molly's story. I think it's really good. Well, we have three episodes left in this season, guys. That's it. I mean, that's crazy okay. to me. Three episodes. So we thought- I, I'm okay two, with that. We need a break. <laughs> we do need a break. We're taking off the last week of June and the first week in July. But we will be doing three more books this season for the month of June. And we thought- we had planned to kind of do like beach reads, like things you could read poolside, you know, smut kind of stuff, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, for we want fun. We, we need fun, fun for June and this July. This season, we need fucking fun. This season yeah, has there's been, been a dreaming. lot of shitty historical fiction. <laughs> Rude. Rude. You <laughs> pick Cersei. <laughs> it's not historic. Well, okay. It's, mythology. <laughs> it's a mythological retelling, which isn't really historical fiction, but I'll, and that I'll was zero it. retellings. Thank you very much. Right. Okay. So we are going to do Pride for June. So we're going to do romance books that Yay. are LGBTQ. I don't so the have first the one, here. I just flop it. The first one we have coming up is One Last Stop. This is Casey McQuiston's second book. We covered her first book in our first season, Red, White, and Royal Blue. Molly and I are huge loves. fans of Red, White, and Royal Blue. If you've not listened to that episode, go back to season what one. What the and fuck are you doing with your life? Go listen to Seriously. it now. Seriously. It's a great episode. Um, and we're reading One Last Stop for the first week in June. And I have started this book and I am doing um, rainbow flags. So I've got red, orange, yellow, and it'll be green, blue, purple. So I'm going to have my pride flag in my book. Pride tabs. Um, yes. So Molly will be hosting that episode. Um, it's one that's on both our lists, but Molly's going to host it. Um, then we are going to do boyfriend material by Alexis Hall. There is a sequel to this. So this is a series, um, but it's a read alike for uh, red, white, and Royal blue, except they're both British. Um, you know how Molly and I love we British love books. These. Yes. And uh, this is two guys. And I think it's a um, fake date trope. Oh, I love a yeah, fake date It's an actor with a fake date trope. I think it's going to be great. I'm so yes. excited about it. Uh, and, and, and we haven't read either of those yet. And the third and then, one is Molly showing you now. Gunkle. Gunkle. Is it the Gunkle or just Gunkle? The Gunkle. The Gunkle. And who's that by Molly? Um, Stephen Rowley. Stephen Rowley, the Gunkle. That will be our third book. He also wrote Lily and the Octopus and the Editor. I don't know either of those. I never I had either. heard of the Gunkle. Molly brought it up. I literally um, found it in a bookstore. Uh, it had shelf appeal, and I was like, "Oh my god, that looks does. cute." He has a Mumu on. 
And I want them so alone. Cute. So I, so cute. So that it. will be our third book for June. Um, and I don't have a copy of it yet. Um, no. So anyway, so that's what we're going to do for June. We will roll into July. We will do four... Nope, three more romance books in July, but those will be. I don't want to say traditional because traditional romance to me is like bodice ripper. Like a traditional is like Fabio with his like hetero out. stories. Yes, hetero <laughs> be, stories. Yes, it will be uh, a man and a woman. Still for the she's, he's, and they's. It's right. just just hetero. And stories. I'm excited because one of our reading is at Emily Henry. And um, I keep, she's just all over TikTok and uh, Bookstagram. Well, I don't know. I, I don't trust TikTok or Bookstagram. Well, here's why I trust it. Because Allie Hazelwood, who wrote one of our favorites, The Love Hypothesis, which I just happen to have beside yeah. me, um, she's plugging Emily Henry as well. And if she likes I mean, it, I'm going to trust it. Also, right. speaking of Allie Hazelwood, her newest book comes out in August. It is not on our season three list as of right now, um, but... I'm going to put it on in February. Just so you guys know. We're going to read it in February. Um, <laughs> um, like we've said, we have some fantastic guests coming in season three. We have some bookstagrammers. We have some uh, indie writers. We're hoping that we can get Francesca Zappia again. Um, we're waiting to confirm on those dates. Uh, we'll have Katie back again. Nurse Katie is going to pick a no book more, this time. No more books we promised I mean her. if she picks a book that we cry in like that's on her because she's picking right, it. but I we told her no cancer but we wouldn't pick cancer books we wouldn't pick cancer books if she anymore. picks a cancer book I yeah. can't stop her and maybe we'll have my husband on again I don't know it was pretty fun having him on maybe I we'll try know. it again uh, if he wants I don't if know if he wants there's really no other books he loves maybe like we will make one. the book husbands do an episode and give ourselves a break make those two read that would be hilarious. I'm not sure that anything would be said in the episode. It would just be like, yeah, okay. It would be like King of the Hill where they're like standing in front of the fence mm. and they just, mm, mm. that would be the whole episode. <laughs> um, well, I don't have anything else, Molly. How about you? Uh, I'm going to go to sleep. I hope you feel better, love. I'm so yeah. sorry. This is day one. So let's see how it runs. Because Matt, Matt started having symptoms on mm. Thursday. We just thought it was like yeah. his allergies acting up. So mm. I'm sorry. I'm Me so too. sorry. Me too. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, that's it. That's all we have. We're going to get out of here. We'll see you next week where we cover on one last stop. Bye everybody. Thank you for joining us on book besties. Don't forget to like, and subscribe. The views discussed here are those of Molly and April, not those of anyone else. Today's episode was a quick take on Cersei by Madeline Miller and featured an original short story reading of Black and Pink by Molly Biggs, read by April Watkins, because Molly is sick. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins, editing by Thomas Watkins, my husband, oh, love him, and music is Sleep Sweetly by Prigida. Don't forget to follow book besties on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. If you'd like to contact the book besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com.